There we go. Good afternoon. I am Jeff Smelser, and this is Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. And with me, as usual, Chase Byers from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and Joe Works from Elmira, New York. Good afternoon, brethren. Good afternoon, guys. Not too much energy there, Chase. Just, you know, keep it. Oh, keep it good afternoon, guys. It's good to be on Bible <laughs> Quest, the Wednesday edition. I'm so happy to be here today. Boy, this is an exciting day. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. We want to talk a little bit about how Christians who are citizens of the kingdom of God think about the goings on in the kingdoms of the world. We just had an election yesterday. And guys, uh, as, as we talk about this, um, we do want to encourage our listeners to participate. Send us a comment, send us a question if there's something you'd like for us to address. But, you know, we know where we're going with this. Where we're going is that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. And while we pay attention to the goings on around us in the world, and we like to be of some influence in the world around us, really, uh, we have a king. No matter what the world around us does, we have a king. And we serve in his kingdom. And what goes on in the world around us really doesn't change who we are what we think, what our responsibilities are, and the kingdoms of this world are going to fail, and the kingdom of Christ will not. And that's that's kind of fundamentally where we're going. But if I could just kick it off this way, as people who uh, believe we are creatures of God, and who believe that um, the Word of God is found in the Scriptures, when we look at trends in society going further and further from the Word of God, trends in society where, for example, uh, the distinction between male and female is being uh, diminished, where people are uh, promoting sexual immorality, where people are looking at uh, abortion as a means to say that uh, you can engage in sexual uh, promiscuity without consequence. When we see those trends and then we see laws or being passed to, to encourage those things or protect those things, or we see politicians being elected who are running on platforms espousing those things. We don't like that. And, and uh, I mean, is it all right if we kind of go, well, I wish that hadn't happened. Uh, it, can we understand why Christians, God's people, would find those kinds of things somewhat distressing? I, I think yeah, that we absolutely yeah yeah I, I think we we find uh individuals maybe like the prophet elijah who's watching his nation uh, go down the drain with baal worship with ahab and jezebel and be uh, very distressed about the the circumstances around them and, and and yet even there there's a little bit of a difference because there we're talking about a prophet whose duty it was to speak out to a covenant people who had been chosen by God and had been given the law of God and who had at one point accepted responsibility for obeying that law and, and, and we're not living up to that. Um, maybe we're not in exactly the same situation vis-a-vis -vis our government today as Elijah was his. Do you, what do you think about that? Maybe you think differently. No, I, I certainly don't think that America is... Uh, uh, to be compared with God's people in, in any way. Um, uh, maybe even uh, thinking about some of the other uh, 
prophets, uh, Jonah, for example, uh, in, in kind of the opposite spin, then he should have been concerned about the Assyrians and their uh, souls, um, uh, but he, he was not um, because of patriotism. Yeah, yeah. His nationalistic pride as an Israelite in opposition to the Assyrians, he wanted to see them destroyed, even though that was not God's if even though God was willing to give them um, give them some more time as a nation if they would submit to him and, and did so. And, and yet it's interesting in the days of Jesus, uh, there the Jews are being occupied by the Romans. I mean, uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, even like overlooking the temple complex, the Romans, they had like a, a building there, didn't they? Like they're overseeing what the Jewish people are doing. Yeah. A lot of the Jews weren't happy about that. But when Jesus came in, he didn't seem to be concerned about that in the slightest. He, his, often, his kingdom was out of that world. How often do we see in the New Testament, whether it's in the teachings of Jesus or the letters of Paul or letters of Peter or John or in the book of Acts, how often do we see uh, descriptions of local or national or imperial politics? Uh, trying to think <laughs> yeah well i mean what do you mean like i'm not i'm not sure what exactly your question is sometimes we find political things going on we right? do we do um, we uh, do you know you, you've got herod's uh family the the four generations that are discussed there and and uh jesus and then the apostles interactions with them yeah um, and, and we even see Jesus referring to Herod as a fox and, and those kinds of things. I guess what I, what I was getting at, how often do we see in Paul's sermons or Paul's writing letters to churches or Jesus teaching on the mount? How often do we see in those settings talking about the, the politics of the day? Um, I don't believe that the Christians in the first century never talked about political things. I'm not saying that at all. But I, I guess I'm going to I'm going to posit this. I have an interest in what goes on politically, and I voted yesterday. And if I can have a voice in what goes on in this country at the ballot box, great. But as a Christian, as an evangelist, my primary responsibility is not to get people to the polls. And as a Christian, my primary responsibility is not to see to it that certain candidates get elected. I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. So and I think there's a Oh, I was going to. I think there's a biblical way to put that. What is our gospel, right? I mean, at the end of the day, what is the gospel that we're preaching? Gospel right. just literally means good news, and everybody in this nation, whether they want to recognize it or not, they have their version of what is good news. And politics is, in, in a large part, what people think good news is. Here's the good news: my guy, he's got it all figured out. He's going to be the one to fix all these problems. He aligns perfectly with what you know this group of people think. And so the good news is, is he's running, so we're going to get him in. And so all energy and resources and time get dedicated into promoting that good news. You can do that with the blue side. You can do that with the red side. And what Jeff is hitting at is that our role as evangelists is not to convince people of that good news, but the good news of Jesus Christ. And anything else that comes from that uh, is going to be, you know, everyone's individual decision is how, how involved will I get politically to make my political views um 
or sorry, yeah, my political views align with what I believe the Bible teaches. Were there distressing things in the politics of the first century, things that would have been distressing to Christians? Yes, absolutely. Like what? Uh, so the Greeks, for instance, uh, pedophilia was, uh, you know, completely legal and fine thing to be doing and going on. I'd imagine that would have been concerning to the first century. Bad trends in society. On a local level, uh, Paul often had to deal with local politics when, um, he, you know, there'd be an instigation, there would be uh, somebody would stir up uh, animosity toward Paul and there would be an onslaught and he'd get arrested. We see him getting uh, arrested in Acts chapter 16. We see him getting arrested in Acts chapter uh, 21. Um, we see him having to be um, carried out of Thessalonica or ushered out of Thessalonica by the brethren when the Jews instigated an insurrection of sorts, but it wasn't just a riot. I mean, they came and got the rulers of Thessalonica agitated. Um, and so, so you see things going on in the first century at a local level and certainly at the empire level that would have been disconcerting and distressing to Christians. Um, and yet, Christians' focus was on serving their king and any eternal kingdom. So I guess that's a little bit of a, of a way to get started. What do, you, what do you do when your guy, Chase, you talk about your guy, you know, we have this concept, here's my guy. What do I do as a Christian when my guy, the guy I want to see in office, doesn't get elected? What, what's my attitude to be? Well, I, I think we've got a pretty good book that, that deals with that, uh, the book of Daniel. Good, good. Um, you know, I, I strongly suspect that um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, was not Daniel's, you know, that, that Daniel was not a part of the... Um, uh, the lion party, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to think about what, what Babylon, uh, what, what animal Babylon, uh, uh, sort of uses their mascot. Um, uh, and yet when he found himself there, it, it's pretty amazing to see both his dealing with Babylon and then later on with the Medo-Persians, his reactions, you know, um, just a couple of quick uh, examples of that in Daniel 4, when uh, the uh, revelation is given that Nebuchadnezzar is going to uh, spend time uh, in the field until he decides that God is the one who rules, um, Daniel's view of that is, may this happen to your enemies. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he isn't like, well, it's about time you're going to get yours. You know, you, you mistreated us. And now, you know, no, he's, he's very kind, even to this ruler who took him, you know, ripped him from his home, from his, his, his family and so forth. And then later with, uh, with Darius in the, the, the chapter six with the uh, lion's den, um, uh, you know, because of Darius's pride, he's thrown into the lion's den. He signs the edict, and Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. The next morning, when he comes down and says, "Daniel, are you okay?" Daniel's response is, "What? Long live the king! Um, uh, may the king live forever!" I think is the exact phrase. Um, pretty remarkable to think about how he respected and treated kindly. Um, some very wicked leaders that was treating his people not very kindly. So he's kind of carrying out what Peter will later write in First Peter chapter 2, 
Peter is talking about uh, obeying laws, and he says, honor all men. This is 1 Peter 2, 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Which, which is a remarkable thing to say, given that at the time Peter writes this, the, the emperor in Rome is Nero, and Peter alludes to the persecution that Christians are, are suffering, for example, in chapter 4, verse 12. Yeah, go ahead. And, and, and the, you know, I guess people will take a different view on this, but as Peter's writing this, I think he's actually in Rome, 1 Peter 5, 13, she who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. I agree. Um, I, I think Babylon is uh, is a euphemism there for, for Rome. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, the he, he writes very strongly that we need to submit to the government um, when he's writing from Rome. When Paul is writing to Rome, um, one of the lengthiest sections of the New Testament dealing with uh, government interaction, uh, Romans 13, uh, again, the same emphasis. Now, submitting to government doesn't mean that you have to say, oh, you're, you're wonderful if he's not. There's an interesting contrast in the book of Acts. You guys remember when Paul is arrested in Acts 21, and he is in custody for two years under the governor Felix, and then, then Felix's successor, Festus. Paul was briefly in his custody. What do you guys remember about Felix and Festus? Any differences between those two guys? Well, one of them wanted to, was hoping to get a bribe from Paul, right? I can't Felix. remember which one it was. Felix was, yeah. yeah. Kept him for two years, hoping he'd get money from him, right? Yeah. Anything else you remember about him? He, he listened to him. He called for him. He would listen to him. He would discuss. You know, Paul would, would preach to him until he got nervous, and then he'd send him back into the jail yeah. cell or whatever. Historically, Felix does not have a good reputation. He does not have a reputation as a moral man of integrity, uh, he has a reputation of being more corrupt. Festus uh, has a better reputation historically. And so it's interesting to, to look at Paul, who is in custody of each of these men successfully, and how he speaks to them. And, and what you'll notice is he speaks respectfully to both of them. Uh, he, you know, honor the king. Uh, these aren't kings, but these are, are civil rulers. He gives the honor that's due given their position. But that doesn't mean that he says things that are not true, like you're a wonderful person if he's not. So first of all, let's look at what Paul says when he speaks to Festus, which is in Acts chapter uh, 26 and verse 25, just after Festus has called Paul mad. And Paul said, you're crazy, you're mad. And Paul says in verse 25, now Festus is the better of these two characters. Paul says, I am not mad, most excellent Festus, but speak forth words of truth and soberness. He's, he's, not, he's not being disrespectful, but he's going beyond that. He's complimenting Festus. I am not mad, most excellent Festus. We turn back a little bit earlier to chapter 24 when he speaks to Felix who had the worst reputation, the guy who is known as more corrupt. And here's how Paul speaks to him in verse 10. Middle of the verse, Paul answered, For as much as I know that you have been of many years a judge unto this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. And he goes right into it. What did he say? He said, you're a judge of this nation. He didn't say, most excellent Felix. So Not my judge. 
Huh? What you say? Not my judge. <laughs> Not my judge. <laughs> okay. What what you see here? Paul is not stepping out of bounds and being disrespectful in either case, but he's also not a sycophant. Uh, he's also not uh, trying to say, oh, you're wonderful, you're wonderful when you're not. So I think as Christians, we can be honest at the same time that we are respecting those in power. Yes. You use the big word again there, Jeff. You're going to have to translate for Chase and I. What, power? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. So All right. I, I got two, I got two ways I want to answer your question. So coming back to that question you asked, like, what am I supposed to do as a Christian when my guy doesn't get in time yeah. back to Romans 13? Um, there's, we can come back to what God's word says. All right. Well, my guy doesn't get in. Remember what God's word says. It says in the days of these wicked Kings, that these authorities exist because they were instituted by God in verse two. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves for rulers are not a terror of good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the one in authority? Do what is good and you will have its approval for it is God's servant for your good. God has been really good over the centuries. If he's proven anything in the scriptures at using wicked kingdoms to accomplish his will. And so even if our guy that we think is righteous and is going to be a good candidate doesn't get in, God is still able to use even the most wicked person to accomplish his task and his will for his purposes. And so at the end of the day, you trust God's will. You trust what he's able to do. You trust what he's able to do through people, just like he's always done. Um, the second thing we can do is pray. And that's exactly what Peter said, or exactly what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.1. First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and for all those who are in authority. Um, and so you can pray for that person. And so those are two, I think, very practical things you can do. Trust God. He knows what he's doing and pray. It's a whole lot easier to have that attitude, to trust God, even when a wicked person's in office, and to pray for that person as a leader of the people, a leader of the nation. It's a whole lot easier to do if all my eggs aren't in this the basket of this world. It's a whole lot easier to do if if I if I'm if I recognize that I'm really a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. Yeah, I have to live here for a while, but my hopes and dreams are not in this in this in this world. You know, when I when I lived in Brazil, um, I cared and still do care very much for the Brazilian people, particularly the, the Christians that are there. Um, uh, lived there for four years, two years twice. Um, uh, during elections that were going on, there were a lot of corruption in Brazilian government. Uh, people say that the difference between Brazilian government and American government is that Brazilians don't hide their corruption. Um, uh, I'm not sure that that difference is much uh, is very distinct any longer. But um, uh, you know, when I was there, I kind of followed the politics and so forth, but it did not eat me up. Um, uh, you know, I, I was not absolutely consumed with it, watching the the news 24/7 and and wringing my hands about. Why not, Joe? One of the main because I wasn't going to be staying there. You know, I cared about it and everything, but mm. but I was just. I was just a temporary resident of that country. Yeah, and, well, and you you had a completely different mission as well. Right, right. Yeah. And so when I come back to the U.S., why would I adopt a different philosophy? 
I am still a temporary resident with a different mission. You know, both of your answers are exactly right. And that's not because I'm a preacher. It's because the because we're Christians. You know, that's what the Bible describes us as. Again, in that same book, First uh, Peter, where, where Jeff was earlier, uh, that's how we're identified as sojourners and pilgrims or uh, aliens, uh, some translations use there. Um, we need to see ourselves as, as not belonging to this land. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take, let's come back to this in just a minute, but let's uh, take just a brief, maybe 30 second break here. And um, no, not, not that. <laughs> let's, um, let's bring Drew DeGrotto on to talk a little bit about how you can be sure that you get notifications of this webcast and probably an easy link to find it. <laughs> there's a webcast or a podcast and, and at this point i don't know what i'm talking about so let's go to drew DeGrotto. and uh drew what 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 can you tell us about that here real quickly well uh this is a webcast the podcast is what we do after it's recorded and we post it as a podcast but um, i want to encourage people um most people come in on facebook to to listen to and watch the program live uh, I'm going to encourage everyone who's listening to this now, whether it's live or on the podcast, is to go to BibleQuest.org or .tv, doesn't matter which way you type it in, and register for the Wednesday Wednesday program. Uh, the reason I'm suggesting that is, is because if you come in through the Zoom app, once you register, that's how you come in. There's There's some additional benefits to doing it that way. Uh, and the way you do is you go to BibleQuest.tv, let's say you type that one in, and click on the live stream Wednesday button. You'll see it right there to the right of live Tuesday. And then once you click that one, you're going to be on a page that allows you to submit questions, which is another good thing. If you want to submit a question at any time, whether the show is going on or not, you can go there anytime, submit the question, and we get it. And then we'll go ahead and, and prepare for discussing that. But once you're on that page, at the very top of that page, you'll see it says live stream Wednesday at 3, 3 p.m. Click on that button, and that will take you to the webinar registration page, Jeff. But, but you, don't, you only have to do this once. You don't have to do this every time. Once you do that, just put in your name and your email address. You'll see the form. It's real easy. And then submit it. What that'll do is every week it'll send you an email. And we promise never to use this email send you anything else it just the system will automatically send you an invitation to remind you that the program's going live at exactly three o'clock and that's all it is it's a reminder but once you're in and you you come in through the zoom app which is really easy you just have to click that link in the email you're able to come in and and anonymously ask questions so that like on facebook if you ask a question or make a comment everybody on facebook sees it but if you're coming in through the zoom app you can choose to let everybody see it, but if not, it's only you and the panelists. And so you can ask questions if you disagree with something that's being said or you need more clarity, that's the place to do it. Come in, ask the question, and just hit submit, and they're the panelists are the only ones that see it. Um, and there's a few other advantages uh, for those that might want to come in live. You can even actually come in with your audio only, not your video, and speak to the panelists one-on-one, -on -one, just like the traditional radio talk show. And you have that option as well. Uh, over the next few weeks, I, I, we're going to remind you again to do these things. But we want to try to build up our audience coming into the Zoom app, as well as continuing on the podcast versions as well. 
Um, anything else you want to add to that, Jeff? Uh, I don't hear you, Jeff. Yeah, That's I don't either. Yeah, my, my microphone was turned off. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Drew. Appreciate you explaining that. All right, so let's get back to our topic. Is citizens of a heavenly kingdom, what do we think about the goings-on of the kingdoms of this world? Um, guys, is it all right to vote? I think it is all right to vote. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier that you did vote yesterday. I did I not. I, I haven't voted for a few decades now, um, but I'm not opposed to people who do choose to exercise uh, that liberty that is given in this country. I do have a problem with people who feel that or, or who who express that it is a duty and that Christians must exercise that. I I I guess I would say that I would even go so far as to say that I vehemently disagree with with that position. Um, it's something that a person can do, like a person could run for office uh, as a Christian, I believe, but they don't have to. Yeah, Chase. I'll take you all to one passage I think about when it comes to voting, and then you guys can tell me if you think this is an unfair place to go, um, but it, you might understand some of my logic. So in Acts the 16th chapter, you guys might remember where Paul is in Philippi. He ends up getting into some trouble. Uh, they actually beat him before he's given a trial, and he'll bring up the fact that he was a Roman, and they get all freaked out about that because they realize that they shouldn't have beaten him without a trial because he was a Roman. And I think it's worth thinking about why did Paul bring that up um, in Acts, the 16th chapter? I don't think Paul did it as a power play. Uh, well, I need to exercise this right. I, I have to do this. This is my right as a Roman. This was, this was not right. I, I don't think it really has anything to do yeah, with that. And the big picture, the big scheme of things, Paul probably didn't <coughs> care all that much whether he's a Roman citizen or not, although it was useful to him from time to time. Right. So, so go ahead with your point. I think in that case, uh, what Paul was doing is he was really standing up for the Christians. The, the perception would have been, here is this new movement that's come into Philippi. We took the leaders, we beat them, and we scurried them and sent them out of the city. And that shows the rest of the nation or the rest of the city what we think about that. Mm -hmm. But instead, here Paul gets a public apology from the same officials that you know uh, beat him. Yeah. And it reflects well on the church in Philippi. And then Paul goes on his way. And so at the end of the day, boil down the point, Paul exercised his right as a citizen in order to further the kingdom of God and his will and his purposes. And so if there is an election that I personally feel like if I vote for this particular candidate, he mm -hmm. is going to uphold a value that I believe is a Christian. He might not believe it as a Christian. I don't care. But he's going to uphold it and is saying he's going to and it's aligning with God's will, then I don't think there's anything wrong with me exercising my right to vote to uphold this value that the Lord's you know, word. So, so, so I about. agree with you. So I agree with you. But let me ask you this. Would you say that Paul was obligated to bring up the fact that he was a Roman citizen? Or would you say that that was judgment on his part to bring that up? And, and we would say pretty good judgment. I would say judgment. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he had to. I wouldn't and, say he was sin, he was sinning if he hadn't have brought that up. And so here's Paul using this um, this privilege that he had 
in that world politically legally to his advantage and to the advantage of the saints in Philippi. And he made the judgment, here's a way I can use this. He wasn't obligated to. Similarly, the, to Joe's point about voting, if somebody says, in my judgment, I think that I, I have an opportunity to vote and I want to use that, okay, that's great. But to say that that it's any more than your judgment that you are making here, to say that as a Christian, you have to go to the polls I think if I'm thinking through this correctly, and if I'm following you, Chase, I'm thinking that'd be sort of like saying Paul, as a Christian, was obligated to say, I'm a Roman citizen, you can't treat me this way. Uh, is, that, is that a stretch or is that a valid parallel? It is. I, I, I wasn't trying to say he was obligated to, but I could see. No, no, no. Right. I wasn't saying that. I wasn't, I wasn't contradicting what oh, you're saying. I see. I see. I see. No, I no, see. no. <laughs> I just thought it kind of meshed nicely with what Joe was saying. I thought uh, I see what you mean. Yeah, there, there's certainly opportunities. No, why? Where we why might nobody understands me? Do I not speak English? <laughs> I, might have, so, I might have missed a sentence. I apologize. <laughs> so, so maybe to, to also kind of balance that, and again, not at all disagreement, Chase. Um, regardless of what Jeff says about you, I <laughs> I, I, I like your point. Um, but uh, you know, there were times in the in the Old Testament, and again, I understand that these parallels are not perfect. But there, but the the Jews, the Israelites, had an opportunity either to put their confidence, say, in Assyria or in Egypt. And uh, you know, what did the prophets encourage them to do? Put your confidence in God. Right, right. Um, uh, and so, um, for me personally. I kind of view the major parties of uh, uh, in, in our political realm as kind of being like Assyria or Egypt. I, I don't have any confidence in either major party. And, and I'm, I'm talking big, big picture here. You know, uh, I've got a very good friend of mine, dear friend of mine, who won a local election last night. I, I thank God for that. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really excited that he might have some influence in, in his community uh, where he lives. It's wonderful that, that he gets this uh, opportunity to, to stand for things that are right and, and maybe affect uh, schools and, and so forth in the area that he lives in. That's wonderful. So I'm not, I'm not trying to paint with too broad of a brush, um, uh, but, but the fact is uh, both parties as a whole fall far short of what God would have us to, to be doing. Um, so uh, I just, I think that, that that analogy is somewhat parallel of, of who we're going to put our trust in. It needs to be in God. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't deal with, again, like what Daniel did um, uh, with leaderships and so forth. And, and, and I'll tell you, there, there are going to be some of you who are listening to this and saying, but don't you people realize the difference between the two parties, and, and there is a difference between the two parties. I don't know that there's a difference between the two parties in terms of, well, let's just let's put it this way. I'll just tell you exactly what happened. Yesterday, I went to the to the voting place, and in my in where I am, there were only four things to vote for. There, you know, usually you got two pages, maybe even a third page of all sorts of stuff. There were four things to vote for. There was a governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. There was a senator to represent. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in um, the United States. There was our representative in the state legislature, and there was our representative in the U.S. House of Representatives. Just those four. And you know, I, I'm going to tell you, in, it, it so happens that I was familiar with most of those, 
Uh, but I went in with a mind, you know, if there's something on the ballot and I don't know a whole lot about who's running, I'm going to vote for the person of this party simply because the people running for office here in Pennsylvania for this party, they're generally going to oppose abortion and they're generally going to oppose the homosexual agenda and that sort of thing. And I'm not going to vote for the people who are from the party who are promoting those things. So I just to tell you where I'm coming from. There are political differences, but the fact is something that Chase said a moment ago, or maybe it was Joe, one of you talked about the fact that God can use wicked men to accomplish his purposes. Would it be possible, just hypothetically, would it be possible for God to use, in his way, to use a man who is pro-abortion and pro-gay rights to accomplish his purposes rather than some politician who is himself immoral? Uh, but he is against abortion. Would it be possible for God to do that? I, I think we see that happening throughout the scriptures where uh, wicked men being in charge uh, accomplished God's will. Um, Pharaoh may be one of the, the, the quickest examples of that, um, but Herod and Pilate uh, certainly as well. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that those sort of situations do occur. All the nations that rise up against Israel in the book of Judges. Yeah. 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 And, and in the book of Exodus, it's quoted in Romans. God says, I raised you up for this very purpose, to show my power. So God had a plan in mind, and it was it was going to be a stubborn and, and obstinate uh, ruler of Egypt that was going to serve God's purposes rather than a compliant one. Um, and so God used Pharaoh. And so each person should do or not do what their conscience directs them to do um, in their understanding of God's will. And again, just just keeping in mind that this is a uh, uh, a, a judgment call, uh, not a command one way or the other. Uh, can I ask a question or I don't want to pivot too much from this. If, if this isn't where you want to go, Jeff, you can stop me. But maybe talking about some dangers of being a Christian in politics or involved in voting and stuff like that. Some of the things that could potentially get to the point where you should sit out election season. Sure, sure, um, sure. One of the things I just wanted to point out, and it kind of ties with something that Joe was saying earlier, is just how often, if we're not careful, that we're lobbying for this certain individual who is my guy that I, I want him to be in this role. And we might be doing it out of a place of sincerity. Okay, he's going to uphold these values for God. But then at a certain point, it shifts, and it's no longer about God, but it's just about the man right. and sticking to him. And that that's my guy. And right. I, think we've, I think we've seen that with presidents before. And I think if it's too much of a stretch, you stop me. I could be overthinking this because I've been preparing this class for a class I'm teaching later. But I think this is kind of what happened with Gideon in the book of Judges. Uh, I think, you know, obviously chosen by God, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and calls him a valiant warrior. You're going to do all these great things. But by the end of the story of Gideon, people are no longer trusting in the Lord through Gideon. The trust is in Gideon. Uh, we're going to put trust in him. We're going to put trust in his family. And it's about him more than it is about God. And so that is just one tendency I think humans have. Uh, is to start off with with sincere good motives. Oh, we're going to trust this person because they're putting the trust in the Lord. 
but then there's a subtle shift to where, well, this is just my person and it's no longer about God. Yeah. So I think that's one potential danger. I, I think that's happened nationally with the United States of America. Um, we've gone from, we're grateful to God for uh, the freedoms that we have in this nation. And we want to use those freedoms for, uh, according to God's will, to we're putting our trust in this nation. Um, so I, I think that's kind of parallel. Uh, and right now we're seeing very clearly we cannot put our trust in this nation. <laughs> so, all right, Joe, were you going somewhere next? Um, uh, well, it's hard to know what all to cover. It'd be great if other people wanted to chime in. I'll remind you that uh, everybody listening that if you have comments or questions, we certainly do uh, welcome uh, those in, in every regard. Maybe one thing that'd be good to cover for today would be. Um, Regardless of how you uh, see it, the results last night, or and a lot of those results won't happen for a while, um, uh, but uh, when the results come in, um, will you gloat or will you be in absolute hopeless distress uh, over the, the situation? Um, uh, I think that we need to have a, a calmness about ourselves, reminding ourselves that God is in control, even if we see, um, you know, that things haven't, that they just don't seem like that's the right way that things should have gone, or, hey, my guy won, we're going to change the world now, and, and so forth. Um, you know, I, I think maybe just kind of taking a breath and saying, win or lose for my guy, uh, you know, I, I need to, to make sure that I don't lose focus in putting my trust in God. And, and you're not you're not indifferent here. You're not you're not trying to paint a picture of I don't really care. You, I noticed you you carefully said, Are we going to gloat or are we going to be in despair? You didn't say, Are you going to be happy this guy won? Or are you going to be disappointed that guy won? I think that you and I and all of us, if we see some candidate win who has demonstrated some character and who has a respect for the word of God and who is not going to promote the homosexual agenda and the abortion policies, the abortion rights stuff, we're going to be, we're going to be happy. We're going to be pleased. Well, I'm glad he got elected and maybe even enthusiastic. Um, and on the other hand, if somebody who is advancing all of the immoral stuff gets elected, we're going to say, uh, again, no, not again, but, but our, our hopes are not tied to the outcome of the election. Um, we live in this world, and this world belongs to the God of this world. In first, in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, who's it talking about when it talks about the God of this world? This this world serves Satan, and Paul in Galatians one four talks about being delivered out of this present evil world. And so, our job while we live in this world is to be lights. Uh, that we can show other people the way to God and live our lives in such a way that, that they see Christ reflected in us and that we can give them hope of something that's better than what's in this world. If we have an opportunity here or there to change how things go in our community, our state, our nation, great, take advantage of it. But whatever we change there is not going to be permanent. Uh, the next generation is going to come along and it's going to get messed up anyway. Or the, or the next election cycle. Or the next election cycle. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. that was one of the things that I thought about with last night. If I can just maybe sidestep here, I don't want to get too far down a rabbit trail. 
but what if the party that is anti-abortion, um, anti, uh, you know, far left school projects not and, and so forth. Not yeah, woke. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those sorts of things. Um, what if that party had had a wave that, that rolled through the country and won all sorts of elections, but then for the next two years aren't able to accomplish anything because everything gets vetoed. And then in two years from now, uh, people are kind of frustrated with that. And they're like, well, let's try the other way again, you know, which is and, what happens. And so we don't know what the results of this midterm election is going to hold two years from now that could be even more significant or or six years from now or or, or whatever. And, and maybe it's going to be uh, 65 years from now, um, uh, just throwing out a random number. No, actually, it's not. Um, uh, no one, Ahaz, was so distraught about the fact that Syria and Israel had joined forces and uh, Isaiah comes to him and says, they're, they're firebrands, they're going to be puffed out, so they're, they're not going to last. Uh, within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken. Um, uh, you know, that uh, we, we ought not to think that everything matters today. Right, um, right, right, exactly. I like, I like that reference to Isaiah 7. That's, that's good. Um, one final thought here. Well, maybe not final thought. We still got about three and a half minutes. Uh, but in Romans 13, it's kind of interesting. Let every soul be in subjection. This is Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be in subjection to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, but the powers that be of one political party are ordained of God. No. Uh, well, I'm not sure what translation you've got there. But, uh, <laughs> throw it away. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. In Romans, he doesn't make a distinction and say certain powers that be are ordained of God, um, which which goes back to the point one of you, I think it was Joe, was making earlier, maybe both of you. Uh, God is not restricted to using good, moral, godly men to keep governments functioning and, and order in society. Um, he can use he can use all sorts of people. He, you mentioned Nebuchadnezzar early on, Joe. He could use Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he could use Pharaoh to demonstrate his power. And God will, from time to time, bring down uh, rulers and nations that he wills to bring down. But we have to recognize God is not restricted just to using the people that we approve of. And so... Uh... We have a comment that's uh, given for us. Uh, even the founders said, in God we trust, not man, not the nation or whatever. Right. Um, you know, uh, how much they actually believed that or not may be debatable. Certainly, to some degree, they believed it. Um, uh, but it, it is a great statement, regardless of, of uh, how, yeah. uh, how much they confided in it. It, we ought to be reminded every time that we pull green out of our wallet, um, it is in God we trust. And, uh, you know, so many of the things that we're fretting over in reality are probably going to be first world problems, not all of them. Um, uh, but, you know, as far as the inflation and so forth, um, those aren't the, that's not the end all. Um, we, we need to trust in, in the Lord in, in, in everything. You mentioned in, in, in this comment about in God we trust. I do find it 
both reassuring and ironic. You know, the Bible talks about the love of money is the root of all evil. And yet the Bible is not against using money. Uh, money is a tool. It can be used. So, all right, we're going we're gonna to make money. So we have, have these, these coins and, and, and we put on it. Okay, but I'm not trusting in this. In God, we trust. And you would hope that that was sincere. And I suspect it was. Uh, and, and, and yet you, you, you wonder how often that really is the sincere thought of everybody who uses money anymore. So, yeah. So, so maybe, uh, holding up that coin just reminds me, uh, render to Caesar what's Caesar's render to God what's God's and, yeah. and we're, we're made in his image. Good. That's ultimately what we need to be focused on. That's a good, good quote to, to end on. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks for your help today. And Lord willing, we'll see you all next week. It's three o'clock Wednesday afternoon.